Debating, do I do the welcome to beer in a movie? <laughs> I think he just did it. Okay. Welcome to beer in a movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of blood from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Gurney. I'm here with... Crushed it, by the way. Oh, thank you. Carlos Cooper. Joe Hilliard. I kept wanting you to say, tonight we're going to watch one movie, two, two movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love the count. Why the, yeah. why the crazy voice, David? Well, we, folks, if you've been listening, I don't know what kind of rock you've been living under the last, I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks, months now. This is the Over first episode of All Horror October and boy, yeah, boy, are we excited for the arrival here. Um, we watched two classic horror films um, with, with very uh, close connections. And we're actually connecting back to our first All Horror October episode in a certain sense here. Carlos, you want to tell our listeners what's going on? So we are, we are going back to a traditional style that kind of fits into the time of year that we're in as well. Uh, it's an Oktoberfest from Spaten. Yeah, Spaten. Right? Spaten. Brewed in Munich since 1397. That, those Germans know how to keep their breweries going. Spatenbra, Munich, Germany. 5.9%. So kind of light work. Um, um yeah. I guess. And, you know, I do have some things that I want to talk about before we jump right into the film, I don't want to delay, I guess, getting beer into our glasses. But if you have been listening, not only do you know it's all Horror October, but there's also probably some other things that you are interested in finding out about the behind the scenes of beer in a movie, and that is the poll results. Oh, I'm ready. From our Patreon. If you haven't been tuning in, patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast. We do a bonus episode every single week for $5 a month, but what we also do is other fun shit, because we're fun guys. We just want to have fun. And we let our Patreon program one of the All Horror October film pairings. Yeah. And if we like having fun, our Patreon subscribers love Love. And the poll results are in. Uh, And it's not a surprising result. In a landslide victory, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Ooh. and Evil Dead, possibly two, maybe one. Music uh, to my ears. Has come out on top, defeating Lars von Trier, Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built and uh, the Japanese horror modern classic audition. Yeah. The, I mean, that, that's an episode we'll do at some point, or at some, we'll do those films at some point. We'll do point. audition for sure, at yeah. least. Yeah. Maybe House of Jack Bill. There's other tr- more pressing Von Trier films, I think. Um, I know you have one. some in mind. Um, it's not in his top three yeah. of his, in his voix, <laughs> uh, in his filmography. So that result is in, and that will be next week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so Exciting next stuff. week... Just so you know, right off top, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the OG. And I think Evil Dead 2, right? Because of the chainsaw tie-in? Or do we want to do the first? I, 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 I mean... I, we can talk about this on the episode, but I, I really, they, they are like virtually the same film. Yeah. So the, the, I, I kind of feel like we could talk about both. In tandem, yeah. So I watch would, both. We'll yeah, get, I we're going to watch both. They're watch both on HBO Max for those who are uh, tapped into that or stream. Or you can pre-order the Groovy Box set that just got announced. There's an oh, Evil Dead franchise it. announcement with all four films, the original trilogy and then the remake, I believe. What about the series? Um, I don't think it has the series, which is pretty uh, good. Um, yeah, I heard good things. But yeah, that just got announced like a week ago. Yeah, all, anyway, so... All horror, all horror October is like our Christmas. So I'm hearing you say we're going to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead or maybe Evil Dead 2. Maybe both? Probably both. Yes, both. And... With a pair of films we got tonight, man, October is already looking pretty... Ooh, it's cooking. Incredible. Cooking. It's cooking. This month is cooking. David, before we started rolling the microphones, you said that we had an Oktoberfest, the first episode of All Horror October last year. That's right. We're touching back. So th- this is kind of happenstance. I know we didn't pick these films this way, but our fir- one of our first films in our classics episode last All Horror October was Frankenstein, right. universal OG. monster m- film uh, Frankenstein. Which we all enjoyed parts of. I think, you know, we had different takes. But we drank alongside it, the Oktoberfest, because there is a portion of the film. It, I mean, it takes place in Germany, and there's a portion of the film where they are actually celebrating. Right, they're at a yeah. Oktoberfest. Beer garden. So it made perfect sense to have that. Now, they don't have Oktoberfest that gets celebrated in these films tonight, but they are both set in Germany. Um, and are in their... And were shot in Germany. Yeah, and are German films. And are German films. Yeah. yeah. Filmmakers, casts, etc. So right. it kind of would have made sense for us to go back and do a classic, the original Dracula, Bela Lugosi. But we're, it would have. We're doing a vampire tonight. Oh, yeah. And we're doing Nosferatu, 1922. The um, Symphony of Horror. Silent German expression horror film directed by F.W. Murnau. And starring Max Schreck as Count Orlock, a vampire with an uh, he lives in Transylvania. Uh, he as is, you do, yeah, of course. Uh, a but in back in Germany or in Germany, there is uh, a Count Orlock uh, somehow gets in touch with a German real estate agent, yeah, who wants to purchase and he wants to purchase a large estate there. Right. So one Mister Hooter is dispatched to Transylvania, and. Uh, I guess the first thing we talk about is the idea that this, in the opening like credit or, or title card, as it were, in the 1922 silent film, it literally says, based on the novel Dracula by Bram Stoker. Yeah. Which is, was that part of the original print or something that has now later no, been No, it added? was in, from what I understand, right. it was in there when it was released. Okay. Like, it, it, that is kind of what I had found as well. They had but. not set it up that way, but they openly yeah. put it into the film, yeah. Okay. Right. Even though they did alter the names. And there was, after the film was released, a subsequent lawsuit by Bram Stoker's widow because when you watch this movie, you are watching renamed characters from the, the novel Dracula. Right. Um, but it's not Dracula, it's Count Orlock, and Hooter is, uh, arri- arrives on a coach at Orlock's castle. Warned, of course, in a scene by the villagers that, uh, whoa, you yeah. don't want to go up there. Yeah. and But he does, because uh, that's his job. 
and Count Orlock. Uh, and wa- also, he laughs at the idea of vampires. Laughs dramatically <laughs> at the idea. Yeah, certainly. I think we should get into that <laughs> 20s silent film style before we get done oh, with I love this. some of those moments. But uh, Orlock is clearly something, because that dude looks like a human mouse with the pointed ears and the long <laughs> fingers and the fingernails the, and the, the fangs, the, the yeah. fangs yeah. that aren't our like plastic fangs that we buy these days for vampires. No. The canines. Yeah. It's the front two teeth are the pointed teeth. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's, I mean, it, it is the Dracula story. Back at home is his uh, betrothed, and she is concerned for him and begins acting odd because she is under the spell of Count Orlock. Once Count Orlock learns about her because he has a, uh, a, a pennant, pendant with her picture. And, of course, when he sees the picture of her, Count Orlock says... Lovely neck. <laughs> yeah. Lovely you know? neck. Yeah. And, you know, it's not too long before we, the audience, who are very familiar with the Dracula lore and, and vampire lore, know exactly what's going on. But mm-hmm. the unsuspecting villagers, when Count Orlock takes a pretty magnificently shot for 1922 voyage across the sea to get to his new domicile, yeah. arrives, begins killing everyone in the city. And how are we going to... Uh, and then the, the wife learns by reading a book about vampires how to get rid of Count Orlock. Mm-hmm. Um, we, should, we should probably say up front that, David, you and I did attend that silent film screening with organ accompaniment yeah. that we talked about going to last week. And, and Carlos, I begged you to go, but I know you were busy <laughs> and couldn't make it. Um, I got to tell you, my viewing in that atmosphere certainly lent itself to me enjoying this film more than I probably would have if I watched it on television at home. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always the case for me with silent films especially. I mean, I've talked on this podcast so many times about how I prefer seeing things in a theater. And even though this wasn't a theater proper, it was a church sanctuary, which there's something satisfying about seeing a supernatural horror film in the uh, church sanctuary. Something so evil. Yeah, yeah. Which, which but the, you know, in a that, place that, so I, pure. I got to give the credits to the Methodists. You know, they're they're open about this stuff. Um, yeah, that wouldn't have gone down in the church I grew up in. Yeah, right, right. But uh, we we did. We, yeah, the Joe Cathedral I, of Corpus Christi would not host this event. Probably the not. Catholic there's church, there's probably uh, more churches in town that wouldn't than would. Yeah. Prior to the screening, the uh, director of music at the church. Uh huh. Paul Erickson. Yeah, he did such a good job. He was telling us about the pipe organ and how there's 9,000, I believe he said, pipes all around us and behind us. And that during the show, he would probably be playing 90 to 95% of them. Yeah. And it's a... I don't know the terminology that organs use, but it's got the foot pedals that were the bass notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So sometimes... And he was in plain view. So when he was playing, and he was vibing, man, he was rocking mm-hmm. and, and, and closing his eyes. And But sometimes his hands weren't on the keys. But I asked, are you playing the original score from, you know, that was presented when the film I came out in 1922? I was also curious, I was going to ask you that. He said no. And when we, we watched a DVD version on yeah. the projector, yeah. and at the end, the credits rolled uh, the score that we would have heard had he played the audio track of he, the thing. Yeah. That was just turned off. It was just his organ. He said, no, I'm improvising with with music from the time period, is, that, is how he put it. And I imagine that some of the pieces that were listed in the score, he probably played a, f- a little bit of during the, the course huh. of the evening. Maybe. Yeah, that yeah. would have been very cool to, to see. Yeah, yeah, it was, say. It was, yeah, it was it was it was a good event, and they did a great job. I, I agree. It was it was it was a lot of fun to see it that way, and I think 
as I was as I was saying earlier, with silent films especially, I can focus so much better when I am in an environment that is asking me to focus on it. Like, sure. yeah. it's just, it's too easy to look away from the screen briefly and miss some key information. Yep. Because silent films, it's all visual, folks. It's mm-hmm. all visual. Now, it was great that we had that live music accompaniment that that helped things along. And it was, it was kind of a cool, um, it, it was almost something else where if, if things died down visually, I could kind of focus on him for a moment uh-huh. and kind of get some of his energy. Because there are in some there. moments like that where it's yeah. Well, you know, you're just yeah. you gotta you gotta take some time to let a character travel through a certain space or whatever. To, you yeah. Know, like, okay. Let's let's see this. So it it was a great way to see it. Um, great evening out at uh, the movies uh, here in Corpus <laughs> at Christi. <Deutsch. laughs> so, folks, if if you have similar opportunities in your vicinity, if you're not here locally, please. You know, make sure you do that. Always stuff. seek those out. Yeah. Support those when they come to town. Well, now what's interesting is I have thoughts about the music from the film, and we yeah. based on the version that you and we, saw. yeah, we can't really have. Well, I'd be curious with, with what you heard. Did you? I mean, I, I, I really. I mean, so I watched it on Shutter, mm-hmm. and it was not in black and white it had like sepia tinted. tones oh yeah tinted. no there's different tints for different uh like times of day yellow for daytime yeah. blue for nighttime yeah. but but i see i see like there's like a, a version of it on youtube that's straight black and white yes and when you see stills from it it's straight black like grayscale black and white mm. right and so i'm curious about that yeah, situation yeah i think that there are some reissue versions that that played with that tone I don't know if the original I, had those tones. Yeah, on I think it. I don't know. I th- just from the still images I see, I might like the black and white more. I don't know. Yeah. The tinting thing was interesting. Yeah, but the, I, you know, it's hard. To, this movie's a hundred years old, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so I have seen some things from this time period. I they're not movies that I watch frequently. So I and I haven't seen a great many of them, so mm-hmm. it's hard to really contextual for me. It's hard to contextualize it in terms of what was happening at the time. Um, but the music is really fucking sinister. Oh yeah, in the cut that okay, and it's like, it, I mean, it's so interesting to think about an audience seeing this for the first time, yeah, not thing. familiar with all the tropes like we are already, not kind of already knowing what to expect, and hearing mm-hmm. this music under what could potentially be somewhat mundane kind of circumstances, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there are, obviously there are, are points where it gets like actually horrific, um, at times. Yeah. Uh, but, and I mean, as soon as you see count Orlock, it's like, okay, something is <laughs> not right here, you know, but like, right. but, but, but before that, whenever, He's just kind of riding around, or when he's at the inn, yeah, and, and everybody everyone freaks out, out yeah. and all that, yeah. or um, the real estate agent reading the letter from yeah. from Orlock that's in like all sorts of weird symbols yes. and shit yeah. like that, yeah. um, like all of that is given this tension, yeah, and you know. With it being a silent film and the performance is only being able to take you so far, and in especially our reading of it in this day and age, the performance is being slightly cartoonish. That really does like add so much to the atmosphere of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, uh, it's a, it's just a very, it's a very interesting to see something like this that is kind of like really meant to frighten you. 
Whereas the Universal monster movies aren't quite. I mean, I, did people get really scared by those then? Or I, I think that okay, so there because this feels so far removed yeah. from that, even though it predates all that stuff. There's a, well, it predates it's, it by nine years. Yeah, I mean, exa- by a significant years, amount of time. That's a about, long time. Think about, and we were talking about this afterward. David and I went out with a for a drink with a couple of other friends of ours that went to the screening as well. The jazz singer, the first talkie, five years after this. And then uh, Wizard of Oz, just a handful of years after that. Yeah. So think about that. I think that you're right, Carlos. The best way to view these kinds of films that are not going to scare you because we are no. jaded 2021. Mm-hmm. No one gets disemboweled all. in this movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, is to try to put yourself in certainly the historical context of what you are seeing. You said it earlier. The the vampire we know vampire shit so well that if you're gonna give us a new vampire property these days, it's gotta have something really interesting or something a little different. Yeah, they all glitter all. in the sunlight. The stalk through the yeah, stake through vampires the with space boots. Yeah, you gotta give them something. You gotta yeah. give them something. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. A DeLorean with a time machine element to it. Yeah, I mean something with something. the vampire. Gotta go high concept. But back here, it is interesting. You brought up like this being new. I mean Dracula was a fairly popular novel, from what I understand, and it is interesting to think, like, here's his novel, it was just published a little over 20 years ago, it's being adapted for the screen, what was that like for the audience, were the audiences coming in with those expectations, oh, I'm getting to see this coming to life, were people already at the point where they thought adaptations were bullshit, (laughs) it's... It's hard to view. We're it tired of pre-existing IP, man. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, well before we were talking about pre-existing IP, we were talking about like the book was better. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of. So it I just mean, didn't quite live up to. Well, the and movie. honestly, this this adaptation, as with every adaptation of Dracula, cuts a lot and collapses, condenses a lot. I mean, I mean, because the book, the way the book is written, is. Not from any one character's No, it's it, it, it doesn't have a privileged character in the same way that yeah. most it, of the film is. It's not a main character. Do, right? Which tend to focus on the Harker or Hutter or what you know, whatever yeah. we're calling that character who's the emissary who's going to the count yeah. to go make this real estate deal that you know And there's anyway. no Van Helsing in this one. No, right. The, though there's like probably characters that we could think of as stand-ins, but they don't really take prominence. Um, yeah, but the, but you're right. So things get collapsed, things get compressed. Mm-hmm. But I can't it, wait but to it, talk about the film that we paired this with, Van yeah. Helsing, starring Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> the obvious pairing. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go um, I've never seen that one. It's so I'm going to be crazy. shit on the second half of this episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, it, but it is. It's fascinating to think about this as a historical uh, moment because this is, you know, there had been a few, from what I understand, maybe one, maybe two vampire films before this, not even made in Germany. Like another, you know, I think there was a Hungarian film. There was a, the, So there had been films that had maybe started toying with these vampire myths, but it wasn't until this one hit that I think one really sort of took off and was a success and people talked about it although it also had this notoriety about it's the lawsuit around it like yeah you, well the result you of really the lawsuit imagine this was a big moment for yeah. the the results of the lawsuit were as a court order to destroy all prints of the film which which is a, which is an, am- an amazing judgment yeah yeah which is That's which pretty is harsh. which is interesting to think about not just because this is probably one of the first times that 
this kind of IP infringement has been taken to court or like something like this has happened. I would imagine like, I mean, in film, maybe, I don't know that, that, that I don't know enough to say, but for sure, I mean, this is early enough in cinema. Yeah. Mostly, mostly I'm talking about film, but also I think the way that we now understand intellectual property and copyright, I Mm -hmm. feel like in the grand scope of art is fairly new. Yes. Uh, Oh, absolutely. So these are modern inventions. yeah. Yeah. And then to go back to what Joe was saying, there is a world in which none of us see this movie. Yeah. Like, sure. There is a possible where world these, where they the li- they are successful in destroying all of the prints. Yeah. That's fucked well, up. I mean, Murnau, right? The the director here, half of his films that he made are lost films. They do not exist in any form that anybody knows about. But we know he made I think it's 24 films and there are 12 that they that, we can that watch have today. some surviving version of. Yeah. Okay, so Crazy. what is this what 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 does this film have then that is worth us getting together tonight to talk about it? And for me, it's all about mood and tone, yeah. Tone and mood and of course a handful of images that are in posters in colleges across America right now of Nosferatu. The shadow on the wall. Yeah. Uh the shadow of the hand on the heart. The, the shadow uh, on the wall is amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then him standing in the doorway. I mean, yeah. that shows up in fucking SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, him rising out of the coffin. Him rising right. out of With the coffin. With a completely right. rigid, perfectly stiff, back. rigid. Yeah. yeah, right. Iconic yeah. shit. Yeah. And I mean, it's worth the free price of admission, David. That we <laughs> uh, that we paid that night to see this film. Well, and I think it, it is. You know, I think Carlos said it earlier. The the approach here is more, even though this isn't scary to our contemporary eyes, right? Um, you can see the reverberations of it, and tonally, it's much closer to horror that actually scares me now than, say, Frankenstein yeah. or the universal horror the stuff Wolfman. that came a little bit later that, um, you know, I understand how it worked as horror and how it works as horror, and I can appreciate it from that, you know, like, seeing the roots of, of this genre that I like so much. Um, th- that's all good. But Nosferatu, I actually, there's a little deeper connection where I can really feel like, okay, this is like that sinister, they're going for the, they really want you to feel like evil exists. Yeah, and it, and it, I mean, Nosferatu is Soundgarden, and Universal <laughs> Monsters is Creed and Nickelback, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh! Good callback. All right. We, we, Last week's episode was all, a, was a cracker. All of our listeners uh, know exactly Carlos, what I'm I saying. Think it's a little horrific that you tried to just tear open these freshly. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't tear open anything. No, that his, was a good it, analogy. I, that, his Wounds. his analogy was one that works well and actually helps heal the wound. Yeah, and I mean. A hot episode last week, by the way. Big numbers. Yeah. I mean, we gotta def- definitely people, you know. There's, no, there's nothing more promotable in 2021 than an argument <laughs> or, or a fight. <laughs> About a film from 1992. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I, to, to get back to Nosferatu, sorry to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to rabbit hole, as I know I'm Captain Rabbit Hole. But, I mean, another reason to watch this movie in 1922 is to see like how far back people were 
experimenting with special effects and like yeah. you know uh the way that count orlock moves through space as a product of the editing well is, and the, the use of uh, pixelation or the uh, um stop motion you know to, to yeah. animate little sequences where yeah. coffins are moving on and their you're not own supposed to and be stuff yeah, there's like right. a film negative uh moment at one point with the so the sky is uh like dark and yeah. the trees are like white uh-huh um the kind of parallel editing to uh, move the narrative forward where um, she's having that dream right, and right. the count is stalking him in his sleep and yeah. stuff. And they're to show us that these people are experiencing things at the same time right, in yeah. very different locations. Right. I mean, I mean, these are things that, they Obviously, were just being established. Yeah, yeah, and not that not that Nosferatu is like the very first time that ever happened, right, right? But it's so early, and it's done to such effect here. Yeah, that I mean, just if you are a, if you're a fan of horror, yeah, you have to see this movie Agreed. for the historical yeah. significance, base bare minimum, sure, just yeah. for the historical significance. Yeah, and then if if that's all you get out of it, then sure, you got enough. But how you could only, I mean, because it does, it's, it's creepy. Like, yeah. it's not scary, yeah. but it's got a fucked well, I mean, up kind of vibe. Come on, Max Shrek, the, the, Crazy work, the, the costume, the makeup, it, you know, even by today's standards, they created something that is striking, mm-hmm. singular, that has had some, uh, you know, impact in the sense that, you know, well, it's been repeated by others, but even you can see its influence in in other horror makeup jobs that we've done with monsters. and The scene where he's signing the paperwork, though, and he's wearing that goofy little hat is, like, pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, looks no, goofy in that hat. <laughs> but he, but you got to do something to calm him down a little bit because without it, he's just, like, horrific out of the gate, yeah. which it's still weird that, that Hutter doesn't he doesn't bat an or, eye yeah i mean it's just like oh this guy's that guy all right he's a <laughs> you si- don't realize he's, he's a six foot three 150 pound fucking rat rat man know? yeah <laughs> like, right nah no big deal like, doesn't <laughs> but, so, but but we see his attraction to blood hooter cuts himself with a, <laughs> yeah. with a knife we see this is the first time, as I understand my research, that a vampire is killed by sunlight. He poofs right. into a puff of smoke. Right, apparently, yeah, it's they, they they were averse to sunlight. They weren't big on daylight, but they didn't get killed by daylight. Right, until I think, this I film. think that the yeah. novel suggests that they're weakened yeah, by, by right. sunlight. But this one is just like, no, it can do it. Right, which was brought back, of course, yeah. in Twilight. Anyway, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I uh, them being able to go out in the sun and being so beautiful and sparkly. Uh, I enjoy this movie from an ap- academic point mm-hmm. of view. I enjoy this movie's iconic scenes and imagery. I am off put by, distracted by some of the kind of like cartoony. Well, uh, silent film acting is, a and I know that we're a five minutes away from theater, and, and we're and we're we're trying to. Well, I mean, this is like even 
more so than theater. I mean, th- theater, at least you have your voice. And the, I mean, this is acting without any access to your voice, which right. can you imagine most actors these days, I mean, who've never been forced to do this. Silent film acting was a whole different game. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and that's why. It's closer I, to vaudeville, kind of. Yeah, saying. Well, just I, the big. Yeah. It's very broad. The makeup and, is really intense. Yeah. The, well, to be seen on camera, yeah. right? I mean, and the lighting. We talk, like, you don't get to play around with the lighting as much. Now, some yeah. other expressionist films did, a bit, like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari mm-hmm. has a little bit more mm-hmm. play there. Like, yeah. this film doesn't. It's all fairly evenly lit because they had to. I yeah. mean, there wasn't much else I could do, although the tinting maybe changes the mood. It, in, it was pretty it was pretty tough to decipher night from day. Yeah. Until I kind of figured out what was going on. Yeah. Right. Unless you fall yeah, you have the tinted version. So it is I don't know. It, they were talking about it being late and it is like bright ass I mean you yeah. can blue tint it all you want. It is fucking daytime. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It it I mean it's it's amazing. I, like you say, Joe, it it is a um you know, an important film and you can watch it from that academic standpoint. But I do, I think I did this the other night, like just watching it as a film, letting it kind of do its thing. I was caught up in it. I was swept up in it. And it has more of a subversive element to it in the way that the Count sort of plays with Hutter. Like he, I mean, he kind of seduces him. Mm -hmm. I mean, which is what, like that's, that's a thing that we've always talked about vampire. I mean, I think the vampire myth is always there. These seductive creatures, they can, you know, uh, sometimes it's outright putting people into almost a trance, but whatever it is, you know, kind of use their power to get their way with them. And you definitely see that. And there is something like a romantic entanglement that goes on. He obviously falls in love with his, I mean, are they married or is it, or is he, engaged to be married they have the same last name so they're married married. yeah Yeah. okay so you know but but his wife and i don't know now this i'm not the first to say this but i did see way more this time watching it the the sort of queer reading of it where i mean you basically look at it like hutter is a guy who goes on vacation who meets this other guy who kind of falls in love with him it kind of taints him and then they have to go back and sort of repair the marriage. And part of that is her having to sacrifice herself because Hutter is now too queer for her. You this know, was I mean? a, this is a take I did not yeah. find anything about. No, in my research, oh, vampires and and like as symbols for queerness. And I mean that that's been talked about. Okay. a lot. I mean, that, I mean, it makes sense. And it, it makes yeah. sense. And it it just. It's it's an interesting, and it came through to me this time watching it in a way that it hadn't before. I think there is like kind of a an interesting little s- yeah, I can see that story. I there did that's I did read giving a, another meta about, hickey. I mean, mm, sure, yeah. I did read about the like perceived anti-Semitic. Yeah, I did too. Messaging. Well, there's some people have read that into it. Um, for sure, and, and Which, I understand the time and the place don't help it. No, <laughs> in no. that regard. But but from all accounts, Murnau was not yeah. uh, of that ill, yeah. and in yeah. fact was believed to have been a gay man. Yeah. And so the the reading that I that I felt I got this time a little bit closer to probably where he would be coming uh, yeah, from. But I think I think you're right. Um, yeah. It's it's but, a but fascinating again, at the time and the place does movie. Not it's not going to chill you to the bone. No. Now maybe I, you know maybe if you're really susceptible to it, sure. But if you're listening to all horror October, most likely you're an aficionado, yeah, or at least somebody who enjoys 
horror films on yeah. the regular. This isn't going to scare you, but it is going to impress you. And I think if you do the work and you do a little bit of reading, you're going to enjoy this thing a lot in terms of thinking about what it paved the way for. Good party movie too, actually. Yeah, sure. it would be sure. great to have yeah. on in Just the background. Every now and then catching like a fucking iconic moment in yeah. cinema. Like this, like every time I see this fucking picture, the <laughs> him creeping still up the stairs, of him the creeping shadow, up the yeah. stairs in the shadow, it's just like holy shit, <laughs> that's fucking good. And when you and your friends are together playing beer and a movie trivia, know yeah. that this is board game the soon. oldest film that we have ever reviewed. Wow, F well, that makes A sense. Cotton, <laughs> F and A. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, good yeah. to know that. I think all horror October is off to a good start. No, hopefully we've start. got a beer that we don't have to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouth. This beer is as bad as Soundgarden is. Oh. <laughs> uh, you couldn't just leave it. You couldn't. I couldn't no. just leave it. Uh, uh, this beer is really good. Hey, it it is a solid Oktoberfest. I think the the Martzen style, which is usually what Oktoberfest beers are. Um, for me personally, uh, as a regular everyday drinking beer, I'm not going to go to. It's a little more malty, kind of bready, uh, even caramely, kind of sweet than I want yeah. a typical beer. But it's got that nice clean finish, like you want with a lager, um, and it's not super high in alcohol. So it's something when Oktoberfest comes around, when right. it's that time of year, right. I dig going to my local breweries and getting it. And believe me, I'd love to be in Germany someday drinking these out of those obnoxiously large like steins. Two liter steins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to add. That was a perfect synopsis of the way that I feel. Uh, it's not a beer that I go to regularly, but at this time of year, especially when there's a nip in the air, I do enjoy one. No nips tonight. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. Certainly not. Yeah. Um, a little bit of Nosferatu news. I when I was trying to Google that image oh, yeah? of him creeping up the stairs, Robert Eggers and Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, that, that's been like in think, development that, hell yeah, for I a think while. That that I got think that announced that, and then I think it was maybe right on the heels of the witch. It was going to be his. his this next is film. from a month ago. Well, and I I think it's still kind of the, a thing that could potentially happen but it was supposed to be Back the in film he made before the lighthouse originally announced and then he made the lighthouse and then he even has said in interviews like he thinks that there's a norseman coming up i think is maybe the next he should one. move on but he already has another film that he's shot yeah or yeah yeah so i think i think that one might be in post. i mean i hey if anybody's gonna remake it i trust eggers to do yeah. something interesting with it so believe me i'd be happy hasn't missed yet joy. and eggers is kind of solidified his place on this show as you know one of the directors that we're definitely going to watch and review his work yeah you better believe it as is the next filmmaker that we're about to talk about somebody who was bold enough to take on remake a remake of no this classic yeah. yeah when we return <laughs> Right into it. Uh, this is exciting, folks. We are, we just told you before the break what we're going to do. We're we're doing a remake of the very film that we just did, 
in the first half, which is fairly rare. We don't do that a whole lot, but this felt yeah, appropriate. It was, it was originally remade in a novel by Stephanie Meyer, and then <laughs> adapt that was adapted into a film. You son of a bitch. No, we're doing something much more interesting than that. But first, yeah. we have a beer, and it's an interesting one. Ooh. The, Hey, I, I'm I'm all for interesting beers. Carlos went out of town this weekend, so yeah, I'm thinking he. I, nope. Oh, I bought this like an hour ago. Oh, two weeks in a row where he's pulling a magical mystery beer out of a bag, and it's coming out of a trick or treat bag. Folks. The beers that tra- on, that bag I'm is on horrifying. Brand. Yeah. Ooh, look at that on the table. Where did you find that? Fontanin? Little... Is that how you say it? Yeah, three Fontanin? Yeah. Three Fontanin? Lambic. Is wow. it our first Lambic? I don't think so. Uh, straight up Lambic, maybe. I think we've had um, some sp- spontaneous beers made in the States, but nothing that could be accurately called a Lambic. This is, uh, I don't think. It's a, we, have, we had a Belgian fruit Lambic back when we okay. discussed the uh, uh, Mandy, or the, the, the Nicolas Cage conversation oh, after we talked wow. about Mandy. That was from... Spawn. That was the Spawn. Is that what you were referring to? Okay, yes. To? That's, yeah. So that was made in the States. We can't call it a Lambic proper, even though they do say it's a Lambic style. But And we watched Silence of the Lambs, which is also coming up in this search. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, boy. Look at that. So, so this is... Um, we had the Spawn twice. Intense Rude? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Intense Rude. It's a blended Lambic beer brewed with cherries. The ingredients are water, cereals, of which 60% malted barley and 40% unmalted wheat, sour cherries, and old hops. Three Fontenin and Tens Rude is the result of macerating hand-picked whole sour cherries on Lambic. All natural fruit, no artificial juices, syrups, or sugars added. Bottle fermented, unfiltered, unpasteurized, open carefully. It is 6.6%. It was bottled... On the 17th of October, 2019, blend number 118. Now, if someone asked me what a Lambic was, I'd be able to answer. But what would one of you guys, uh, how would y'all answer that question? That's a David question for sure. (laughs) Uh, A Lambic traditionally is a spontaneously fermented beer coming out of Belgium, basically. Uh, it, It is... Uh, for those who are familiar with the idea of spontaneously fermented beer, you you will usually create the wort, um, get that boiled, but then you will set it out to cool, usually in a large tray-like vessel that um, it, is called a cool ship, and it allows for a lot of surface area atop the beer. That yeast that's just floating in the air, right. along with other microorganisms, uh, can settle on and begin to do their work. And if everything works right, then you end up with a very unique, complex beer that has been fermented by a much richer diversity of organisms than you would typically have. And in some kind a, of an additive that you've put into well, it. Well, yes. And, and so, you know, like typical brewers will have a strain of yeast that they're throwing into that beer, right. and that's it. So that one microorganism, a huge colony of it, does their work. This is like a whole 
party, a fiesta is going on in this war that eventually turns it into something much more complicated. And often fruit gets added, it gets aged for different lengths of time, then they blend them because again, they can be very, you can have a batch that ends up really sour, like vinegar sour, Mm -hmm. and then you can have a batch that ends up really sweet and really, and then you maybe blend them and you end up with something that's very mild and or or more balanced. So this, this is a blend. This is, these are kind of the, I mean, for our listeners who are real beer geeks, they already know this, but Three Fontenin is one of the most celebrated breweries in all the world. We've only just recently been able to get their stuff in our market. I think they are getting a little wider distribution than they used to, but this is the first uh, version of this that I've ever had. I've had a few of their beers over the year, but this is wonderful. Look at this, (laughs) and this crimson liquid in the glass. very much like... Say I, the blood like that blood would covered steak? Uh, nourish yeah. a creature like Nosferatu. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking and Nosferatu might get fooled. I, I could maybe kill fooled. Nosferatu by putting Ooh. out some lambic. For and uh, you know, another mm. reason aside from the color that I chose this beer as the tie-in is because this is a classy fucking beer. <laughs> and it's very classy. We are watching a classy fucking film. <laughs> it's. It, it is a okay. So, just a few months ago, a few months ago, uh-huh. yeah. right? Yeah, we did uh, a Werner Herzog episode. Yep, I think it came out in July. So, yeah. July. We we talked about two of his films. We talked about his first feature, Signs of Life, mm-hmm. um, and good film. We, a f- yeah, a film that stuck with me yeah. more than I thought that it would the night that we discussed it. I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. great, great film. Um, amazing debut, that, you know. And then we jumped ahead just a few films to see the first of the films that he made with Klaus Kinski. Ver- Werner Herzog directing, Klaus Kinski starring in Agira, Wrath, Wrath of God. Oh, God yeah. um, love that film. Yeah. L- Long time favorite and, you know, we were all very much... N- the Kinski Herzog relationship paused for a few years, but resumed in 1979 for the release of Nosferatu, the Vampire, Vampire. Yeah, um, spelled with a Y. And so again, classy. So, <laughs> so, so appropriate that we're following that episode from July up in All Horror October with this second effort. I have a feeling at some point we're going to get to those other three films that they did together, probably even the documentary he made about them. But whatever the case may be, I'm excited to be able to talk about this Mm -hmm. uh, collaboration Mm -hmm. between... I read a thing that said that Herzog says that Nosferatu, the film we reviewed in the first half, is the best film to come out of Germany in his estimation. Mm -hmm. And that that's why he was so eager to do a Full-blown remake. Right. Uh, This time around, we didn't choose who was going to set the film up, so I guess maybe we can tag team it. (laughs) This time around, uh, uh, we've got the benefit of sound and speech and color. Yeah. Um, And you've also got the his ability to actually name the characters, the names from the book Dracula. Right. So now instead of Hooter, we are Harker and Lucy and Van Helsing and all of the names that we've really come to know over the years when it comes to Dracula lore. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's not a whole lot done to change the general shape of the story, but there are some subtle additions there are a few things there there are are additions but there's also some like painstaking 
let, let's do it. Let's do as much from the original Nosferatu yeah. that we can. That's why I mentioned a couple of things. The cutting of the finger with the knife. That happens. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what happens afterwards, very different. And I, yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, the boat trip. The, you know, the, 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 the trip to the village prior to entering the castle where the villagers warn yep. Harker, uh, this is a really bad idea. That mm-hmm. sequence is different, yeah. It's just a bunch of superstition. The, uh, the carriage won't take him at all in right. Herzog's version. He, like, walks it. Mm-hmm. So that's a big a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another one that I was just thinking of. And then there's one at the end that we'll get to. But sure. the voyage back and the death of all the sailors and lashing the, the the final sailor lashing himself to the wheel of the ship. I mean, so much was painstakingly duplicated. The shot of the boat entering the town. Right. Yeah. Through the canal. Sh- perfect recreation of it. I mean. Yeah. All Although of- it even takes it a little further because it kind of, it, it bumps against the side yeah, more. Yeah, it in, does. In like a more natural way. Like, yeah. again, you get to see what you could do with the improved filmmaking techniques that they like yeah. they had come up with some better strategies obviously better cameras that they're working with mm-hmm. they're able to work in different lighting conditions yeah. um, it's it, clearly night when it's night right, <laughs> right so no i mean th- these things are you know they may seem subtle but especially when you're watching it back to back with this you know, much earlier yeah. version mm-hmm. of it the, the the use of 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 now count dracula's shadow but different the ascension the the straight back ascension out of the out of the coffin mm-hmm. it's there but it's very different mm-hmm. and a lot more use i think of purposeful mood but that's difficult to say because well, that really was the entire film was purposeful mood in the music here i, I mean i think huge it it is and and this is i love this score it's i i own this album um, it's one that I put on regularly. Is like which kind of, version do you own? Uh, I think it's a French pressing from okay. the yeah, Waxwork Records. Did a really good. I didn't get a Waxwork one. I though. had one. Okay, I had a beautiful copy of it, <laughs> and you let it slip. <laughs> and I your sold fingers. it. Oh, look at you! Um, you're, you're too good to your customers. Uh, it, but it, but it really is like such a great sort of mood setting score that kind of and it's more of a pervasive creepy uh just unsettledness to this film whereas seeing Nosferatu and I don't know like I it's been a while since I've watched probably the version that you did Carlos that had the score that was you know on the DVD or whatever yeah um but seeing it live it was much more dynamic and kind of at times what's the word like propulsive and kind of chugging along mm-hmm. and it, like there was more of a th- this score never chugs along right the, the Pupple 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 score? Oh, no god no it's very atmospheric it's yeah. very you know just spacey creepy foggy i mean there's just it's a mood setting thing yeah um and it, and it works really well for this film that kind of takes i think that original template of nosferatu based on dracula and takes it in the slightly more thoughtful direction or, or a direction that's making you think more about this character, right? Like in the first, in the original Nosferatu, we just kind of take for granted he's this evil force mm-hmm. that's just there. And that, and that like... We're supposed to 
think or buy into that just because he kind of looks yeah, his yeah. Appearance a little sells scary. It, sure. Right. But it, it's a little more than that with this version. Absolutely. Although his appearance is... No, the appearance is very... Uh, his appearance is startling, for sure. Startling. But Kinski Klaus brings... Kinski already is a very, like, intense... Uh-huh visual if presence. anything he dials it down it's he, it's he, sort of funny to I see i thought about that compared to his performance Aguirre, yeah, yeah his, uh, compared to that performance this one is like muted yeah in a weird way well i mean he, i think he realizes visually i'm you know he knows the max shrek care he's like you know yeah. i'm one of the most iconic monsters right now recreated what, very well what i can bring is not amping that up you can't amp that up i mean you are the iconic monster i need to bring this kind of unexpected layer of humanity to the character which he does yeah Yeah. i mean it's really pretty amazing to see what he pulls off he's a cursed man and a foreboding attitude at all times yeah when he meets harker in the castle okay first of all let me say this uh, Bruno Gans playing yeah. the yeah. character. Yeah, it does a fantastic Very well. Job. Um, the Has script in this film is remarkable. The, the The words that they wrote on the paper for these actors to say are, are I think, are incredible, especially for a horror film. The Let's not do that. The mood <laughs> that is presented in this film is haunting from, God, from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But when Harker gets to the castle and like steps into the that that outer atrium of the castle and the blue sky behind him, dark mm-hmm. blue sky behind him, and the gray stones behind him, it is not the first, but it is such a striking image. And what Herzog does in this film with the images that he puts on to the rectangle that we get to see mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm. What Nosferatu, Dracula, does here is his skin is so white and he's stark bald. It's like a five-hour makeup job. Right. You know what Nosferatu, the original, looks like because you saw it in, in, uh, like you said, Carlos. uh, SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) But this is is the same but different. The teeth are the same. The front two teeth are the fangs rather than the canines. Uh, But he has clearly grown, I think, grown his fingernails out. And the way he uses his hands to open a bottle of wine and pour mm-hmm. a bottle, pour a They're glass They're way longer of wine. than Max Shrek's nose Yeah, too. for Harker, who's sitting there, I think, taking in this <laughs> fucking weird scene. Yeah, yeah, weird guy. And then it's not too long after that that he cuts his finger with the knife while he's cutting a, a loaf of bread. Yeah. And in Nosferatu, he says, no, you can't suck the blood off of my finger, and it ends. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens here, too. But then... Dracula lunges for the hand, puts it in his mouth, and there's just this strange eroticism that's added to the entire <laughs> thing. But the, there's a lot in this but one. But the composition of when Nosferatu, Dracula, is in frame, yeah, everything around him is black except for his just head this is like white floating moon, at times. Like, a, like the moon in the night sky. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, and it is just stunning to watch. The I thought color about palette, that too. All of it. I thought about that too, and how. Um, I've never seen this film before tonight, and I'm so glad that you're we lying. It. I had never seen it. Mm, wow. I'd seen um, what is it? A Shadow of the Vampire. The yeah, the Willem Dafoe. The only thing it has to do is well, the, it's the behind the making of right. the original, with the premise being that Defoe really was as a, Shrek a is actually a vampire. Yeah, um, oh, but I had never seen this Herzog 
Which would have been fun to pair this with. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll been. cover that at some point. It's it's a great film. That would have been. I've never seen that. Um, yeah. No. I mean, there's a ton of really great visual things, but I think that the first time I saw this, I didn't. I don't. I had never seen anything that Klaus Kinski was in before. Oh yeah. It was kind of my first, and I wasn't really even aware that he was. A, th- a thing that I should be paying right. attention to in the first place. Um, and so now having seen Aguirre Wrath of God and coming back to this, I appreciate his performance a lot more mm. than I did before. Cause he is kind of like a tortured figure, mm-hmm. but also inherently evil. I mean, it's yeah. this very interesting, like push pull that he's giving to us. And I mean, Herzog as well, obviously, because there's some added dialogue in there about, you know, being around for centuries or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. He says something about that when yeah. they first kind of meet. I just find him so much more compelling. And then his relationship with Lucy, too, like she also in the same way uh, that Bruno Ganz's character kind of has this weird kind of sensual thing with Dracula she does as well to where at a certain point she's almost like embracing him mm-hmm. at the end when he's feeding well, yes that's, that's, that's a ruse to keep him there longer yeah but, but it then, is at first mm-hmm. yeah but then it seems almost kind of like she keeping them longer so that sunrise can come so that and sunrise maybe he can, can be come. vanquished well yeah. and it, it, it not it not loving to read quotes but I mean there is this great one from Isabella Johnny who the actress portraying, you know, the Lucy character there, who's saying, you know, there was a sexual element. She's gradually attracted towards Nosferatu. She feels a fascination, as we all would think. First, she hopes to save the people of the town by sacrificing herself. But then there is a moment of transition. There's a scene when he isn't sucking her blood, sucking and sucking like an animal. And suddenly her face takes on a new expression, a sexual one, and she will not let him go anymore. There's a desire that has been born. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's... And then she I, dies. Coming right there from the actress. I mean... Will, will she, she die or will she come back? Because... This, because this film doesn't get us into like right, how right. that happens, but I'm glad that you said that because a big change between this and the original is that's that right. Harker mm-hmm. well, I mean, it becomes a Lucy, vampire at the end. I think Lucy is dead. Right, because Van Helsing comes way. in. Yeah, I mean, it seems like she's died, but but if you were becoming a vampire, you would die first. Well, that's true. So but you the, would be presumed. I mean, it happens in Buffy almost every single week. So it's presumed <laughs> dead. They're buried. They come out of the ground and they're a vampire. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the end, Harker, I think you're uh, gonna say is is full. Of, he's he's, a, he's vampire. a vampire now. Yeah. Of course, he's able to be in the same brightness, uh, light of day. He even has Van Helsing Nosferatu, but okay. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Yeah. He was in that little circle of dirt. He gets the maid to, he can't leave the circle of dirt. He gets the maid to come over and sweep up the dirt and he hops out of it. Yeah. There's so many little, great little t- touches that are yeah. Herzogian, I mm. believe. Yeah, they kind of expand. There's I mean, a raft on the river. I mean, what we, talk, we talked about Aguirre. I mean, I well, laughed, there's, there's I a raft on the river in the original. There that, is, that yeah. Was, but I, I loved, a raft. I, I loved seeing. I laughed. I, I barked. I, I laughed mm. when I yeah. saw the oh, Herzog fucking found a way to to shoot a raft going down. Well, the he river. wants to remake any movie that has a raft, a raft going yeah. down a river. Loves a raft. Loves a floating vessel of any kind, mm, yeah. whether it's in the water or we're putting it over a mountain. We gotta have <laughs> some kind of ship in there 
there somewhere. <laughs> Signs right. of Life Aguirre, they, they, they dwell on, they both dwelled on scenes of the town, of nature, and this film does that too. Yeah. There are minutes where there is no dialogue. It is just the ship on the ocean, and it is yeah. gorgeous. It, it, those, the scenes of the, the schooner... Uh-huh. Are, are striking ones. Yeah. Because yeah. and, and it's a dark, brooding vessel in its own mm-hmm. right. I mean, it, even though, you know, nobody, none of those crew members knew what was going to happen, it does have this kind of foreboding just look to it. Yeah. I, I like the, the idea. The ship was cast very well. I like the idea in both films that when um, uh, Nosferatu arrives and then all of a sudden the town is taken over by what authorities can only call the plague because mm-hmm. everyone's dying. Yeah. And, and and it's never really in modern cinema there's no detective on the case trying to figure it out it's yeah. just this is the time that they lived in and if the plague arrived it was going to be decimated well, God, I mean how weird is it I mean you're wa- watching this now in the hopefully end stages of a pandemic mm-hmm. where, where we've all kind of gone through some version of, of this sort of behavior um when it hadn't been done for like a hundred years. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's pretty crazy to yeah. think about. Now, thinking about how in 1922, they had just gone through the flu pandemic of 1918 and in the few years after that, that was pretty fresh in their minds, I'm sure, yeah. as they were seeing that. By 79, that was in the distant past. Yeah. Um, but for us right now, it, it's, it's kind of there. It, it, there was, I'm, I'm breaking all my rules this episode. <laughs> <laughs> quote quote from uh from Herzog on that Nosferatu is not a monster but ambivalent um when the plague threatens people throw their property into the streets they discard their bourgeois trappings a reevaluation of life and its meanings take place fuck if that isn't accurate to th- yeah. think about that kind of weird reset thing that went on for a lot of us where you're given this weird time to like I mean, hide essentially, but it forces you to those normal things that you do are no longer part of what you, you know, because you've got to spend your time hunkered down. And so then you're having to figure out, well, what do I do in this case? And who am I? And and it it allows for this kind of reset to happen. It's it's an interesting. And this town abandons all of their normal things. I mean, they're having these feasts in the street and are just like celebrating the end times or just. Yes, I don't know. They scavenging anything yeah. that they can get out of the minutes that they possibly have left. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. it's just like a fucking ghost town, wasteland of yeah. former civilization. By the time Lucy's able to do anything about yeah. it, you know, yeah. uh, in the Smithsonian of movies, Nosferatu from 1922 is going to be in it, and you are going to revere it for the foundational in many ways of, of, of horror elements and cinematography and horror films and the way that a vampire is presented. And you got to tip your hat to, to everything that it did. I loved this movie so much more, the ex- viewing yeah. experience of it so much more. I, I, I don't want to take for granted color and sound and screenplay and uh, the, the visual motifs that Herzog and his his predecessors had been able to learn in the 57 years between the two films and uh, I'm so pleased and if you haven't seen this one well both of these it's it don't run don't walk yeah yeah absolutely you can, sure. you can't miss these I mean you shouldn't the, mm-hmm. the, this is if if you're with us on this all horror October 
journey, uh, what, what are you waiting for? There's no reason to, to not see these films. They're pretty widely available. You can find them on various platforms. You can find old copies of these on DVD. Local church might be doing a screening. It may yeah. be Never happening, know. right. So um, I, I agree, think I, Joe. I think I rented Nosferatu the Vampire. Did you all rent it? The, did you own it The already? second one? The Herzog one. This yeah, one was I, actually Amazon Prime. It was streaming on Peacock, and I had. Peacock. No, I don't, have, I don't have that one. No, I watched the first one on Shutter, but I, I, okay. I drew a line in the sand that I have not crossed for Peacock. I think I'm getting. I understand. I think I'm getting Peacock enough, just for Premier League matches. Anyway, it's after yeah. hours conversation. Uh, yeah, this I do enjoy this one more than the original for Popova. A large part of it. It I makes mean, a big difference. I mean, th- that's huge. It's it is huge, and yeah, it's just it's great. It's something that I think all horror fans should see. It's something that I don't know if all horror fans are going to enjoy, just because it is very dreamlike, and you know, let's be honest, it's a slow film. Oh yeah. And so it doesn't well, sure. I mean, fit I think, into a lot of the trappings of horror and what people expect from the genre. And so I could see some people, if their expectations were not set correctly, mm-hmm. go into it being like, this is kind of boring, or a snooze or whatever, you know, if you were expecting some... It's not pulse, pulse pounding. Thrill, no. yeah, edge yeah. of your seat thrill no. ride, like maybe a lot of people would expect from just the word horror in general, but it is a mood. It is an atmosphere. It is haunting in its own way. Definitely. And I think that if you go there with it, it might even be slightly more disturbing than your average horror because it deals a lot more with, morality and humanity and like well and and the tortured the, nature of the dracula a, he's character. so much more sympathetic and, and yeah. pitiable than yeah. than almost any other on-screen monster that i can think of you know i mean there, which complicates been, the the film in terms of for sure just what you're supposed to get out of it at the yeah end, you know yeah it's great i'm gonna ask uh you and myself what's your favorite vampire slash Dracula film is in After Hours. I think that that would be a fun little rabbit hole to take <laughs> ourselves on and discuss kind of vampires in movies in a general sense. Yeah. Yeah, Twilight for sure. <laughs> it's fresh so, on the brain because Kylie's been rewatching them. I'm never bringing a three to four ounce tasting glass to these again because if you don't get a heavy pour in at the top you guys fuck me on these pours well it, this it, was a this, tiny this bottle a fairly small bottle so but we, look uh, at that last uh, I, there was one little like pour yeah. left and the um it's a lot of fruit it looks it's like. a lot of opaque a lot of, lo, lot of spent yeast well, yeah, i don't yeah. think that i'm gonna even drink that oh um, no that's fine you do you you're not, gonna, you're not gonna get rid of that liquid gold it'll there. ferment in your stomach uh, yeah, three three Fontenin, they they don't make bad beer. That that's not possible for them. This was so delicious. Um, it really it, was. It's very very tart. So, very tart. You know, jaw hinges. You, yeah. you got to be ready. Yeah, it less is, so on the last sip than the first sip. You kind of yeah. You, you, you do acclimate. Yeah. You acclimate. I I agree. But it, but it's pretty pretty intense. But it's got that nice cherry flavor in there. It's not. Super over the top. It's certainly not med- medicinal, right? I mean, no. that's the thing you worry about with cherry. I it know, is. but I don't get any of that. It's it's all fresh fruit tasting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think I think the medicinal thing comes with 
more uh, artificial flavoring. And, I feel like it's popped up in stouts before yeah. where it's like you, you get It's just that. an oversweetness that yeah. can cause that. When you have sour cherries like this that are this tart, mm-hmm. uh, it's never going to come across medicinal. There, yeah, think. there you go. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, didn't even know there were cherries in this when I bought it. I yeah. saw the bottle. I was there a little early. I was at Lucy's Snack uh-huh. Bar. If you're a local to Corpus, there might still be bottles of this left. Uh-huh. To my knowledge, they have not advertised that they have these at all because yeah. I was just looking over at the wine section. Uh-huh. They have, you know, like a shelf with a bunch of wines. And I was like, man, the wine section is like stacked right now. You know, I was like, look mm-hmm. at it. There was more offerings than I had ever seen them have before. And I saw the three. And I was like, oh, shit. I know that label. I know that label. And I went over and I looked at it. And sure enough, it said Lambic on the side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fucking A, man, let's go. And I bought it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we all know, not the cheapest of beers. No. Um, worth it, that's I would delicious. say. Uh, if, that's your, if that's your vibe, if, you, if, if when you think like sour, you think, Oh yeah, I love those slushy beers that 903 does. Uh-huh. Then this is not a sour beer for you. Yeah. Um, but if you like a nice tart, tingly kind of uh, experience from your beer, a beer drinker that's a beer drinker that's not scared to just try any style yeah. is already put together in his mind that whole farmhouse ale notion. If you've ever had a Jester King beer and liked it, get this. Oh yeah, yeah. right now. Sure, go get it immediately. I think this. I mean, this certainly ranks at the top of that. But the lambic, you can only call it a lambic if you if it comes from yes technically you're supposed to only be in in fact it 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 was a point of contention when when jester king started doing theirs and even calling it a lambic style or or lambic inspired or whatever that they were like "Mm, you're kind of getting close you probably shouldn't say that yeah um but this is well it's like calling something like an abbey or or champagne when it's a sparkling wine made somewhere else i mean it yeah, it is partly because it is attached to this idea of this. And given that it's made with the yeast that lives very you know, regional, in the air. Like, certainly. Yeah, it, it's very it regional specific. More regional. You, yeah. you cannot recreate this beer here because you do not have that same mix of microorganisms. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Great job, Carlos. Thank you for picking beer that up. Beer is crazy. It is, especially when you get into this kind of beer. This is like next level beer, but these are next level horror films where True. if you don't know these folks, you gotta see where the roots are. You gotta see like 1922, absolutely. And 1979, you see how a filmmaker like Herzog dances into the horror genre with something like this. Of course, he's gonna bring his style. But man, what a style. What, a, what an incredible yeah. experience. So All Horror October starting off on a big note, on a big, big sort of profound note of uh, class, yeah. as, as Carlos said. Class uh, all around. Now, is the film lineup that you told me that you told us earlier tonight, is that next week's episode? Next yes. week is Texas Chainsaw and Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 1 and 2. Throw them up. You're gonna make me watch three horror films. Oh, but they're all under 90 minutes. They're all under 90 minutes. As if you weren't gonna do it. Being sarcastic because Uh, again, this is Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. My plan is to 
cram in as many as as I can. And I'm then already where are we going after that? Some horror episodes of some TV, and then well, we're definitely gonna have some new stuff. That that we've got be some fun. new stuff coming, and then like as in being released soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna yeah. steer us a little bit. Um, but as you know, the conversation does not end when we stop talking. Yeah, it continues. It continues, and last week proved it that the conversation continues <laughs> on social media. Uh, granted that Facebook doesn't get deleted forever, which maybe it should. Uh, <laughs> but uh, our first week of all Horror October 2021 is in the books. We want to know, have you seen these films? What is your favorite Oktoberfest? Do you like a Lambic? Let us know on all of your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com has everything you need to listen to every single episode of Beer and a Movie, but it also has this amazing beer map of all of the beers that we've had over our 160 plus episodes um, from all over the world. It's a great deal of fun to check out if you haven't already. And as we have mentioned a couple of times already this episode, patreon.com slash Beer Movie Podcast uh, is how you can support the show. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week and also lets you do things like vote on uh, film pairings, helping us, you, you help us create the content that you want to hear you help us create the programming uh that was a great deal of fun apple podcast please rate review subscribe it really helps the algorithm do what it do we know you're gonna leave this five star rating but please leave that written review as well tell us what you like what you don't like what you want to see more of in the future which you can more effectively do on the patreon but uh doing it on apple podcast is very helpful for the show and introducing us to new uh to new listeners tell a friend spread the word let the people know that we are committed to horror this month. I have this fantasy that you listening go to the beer map at beerandamoviepodcast.com and you go, it's alphabetical of all the breweries and you look to see if we've done or on the map, you, is my city have a little dot on it Yeah. at my favorite, my favorite brewery, brewery yeah. and it's not there. And they go, well, shit, Joe, Carlos, David haven't had my favorite brewery. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you DM us. Yeah. And we work something out. We can figure a thing out. We're all yeah. one big community. We're all one big beer community, movie community, and we'd love to drink that beer. We probably need your help. Yeah. Uh, we certainly do, and we want to drink all of the beer from all of the places and from all of your favorite We like breweries. the mail. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, we, we certainly do. Um, and we have had a great many beers via this system of sure. listener content creator we many beers back to people collaboration a parasocial relationship yeah. whatever the internet's all buzz about these days um cannot wait for next week and the following two weeks after that and then ooh, november is going to be all catch up november <laughs> lots, lots of exciting wait yeah Folks. The, the end of 2021 is going to be an exciting one but that's it for today until next time time is an abyss Profound as a thousand nights. Centuries come and go. To be unable to grow old is terrible. Death is not the worst. Can you imagine enduring centuries, experiencing each day the same futilities? (laughs) 